Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Why, hello. It is Eric Erickson. How are you? The phone number is 877-973-7425. Glad to have you with me. I wanted to talk about crime, but I can't. We'll talk about crime, but I can't. Because there's a... As I sneeze, there's a big breaking news story. And I have to talk about the big breaking news because I believe in putting the big breaking news stories above what I personally want to talk about. And the big breaking news story, the one you're not going to like, as I am talking to you at this very moment, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down over 300 points. Uh, the S&P 500 is down 40 points. The NASDAQ is down 76 points. Now, that's, I got to tell you, a little bit of a recovery here from where I was looking just a little while ago because it, it was a show up. Oh, nope, never mind. I refreshed. Ah! Okay, so the Dow's down 400 points right now. Um, <laughs> Ouch! Uh, the the they're panicked. This the markets are panicked. This is essentially the the markets saying to the Federal Reserve, "Hey, please, 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 don't do what you're about to do. Please don't do what you're about to do." The Fed is meeting. It's a two day meeting. We will find out tomorrow. Uh, Apple is up. I'm just looking at my portfolio now because who cares about y'all's? Um, Synovus is down. TNT is down. Everything's down. Apple is up. Why is Apple up? What has happened to Apple other than its new products are fantastic? Um, so can I just say the Dynamic Island is a dumb name, but it's a cool feature? If you know, you know. Nonetheless, here's your story of the day. The Dow is down. Uh, your 401k is in the crapper. And this is not going well for anyone. Now, here is... MSNBC Steve Kornacki, their data analyst. This is worth playing at this moment. What issues are the Democrats strongest on? Well, you see them right here. And I think the most interesting one is abortion. Since that Supreme Court ruling a couple months ago, this issue has rocketed to the top of the list for Democrats. Uh, some evidence here. I think it's motivated their voters. Probably one of the reasons why the polling has gotten close and we're showing this even generic ballot. Uh, of course, what hovers all over all of this, though, is, again, the economy. You saw the Republican advantage on the economy. And when you ask this question about Joe Biden, the effect his policies have had in the economy, a two-to-one margin, folks saying it's more hurt the economy than help the economy. So ultimately what the Republicans hope here is, you know, abortion's taken center stage this summer. Donald Trump, uh, his numbers aren't very good in this poll. He took center stage this summer, this summer, and this summer has seen that generic ballot get tighter and draw even in our poll. What Republicans hope is that ultimately between now and Election Day, it's the economy that reemerges at the fore. It's inflation. It's uh, it's voter perceptions like this that could bring things back in the Republican direction. We'll see. Democrats have made this even. They've created suspense we didn't necessarily think was going to be there. Now, will that suspense last clear through Election Day? It's the big question. Um, I don't think it's as big a question. Now, part of this, and, and maybe I become too cynical, but part of this is, they kind of have to keep suspense. 
If it was a Democratic campaign cycle, it would be rah-rah the whole time. But it's not a Democratic campaign cycle. So they got to build suspense. They got to keep their Democratic listeners and their Democratic viewers engaged. Oh, you could still win abortions coming on strong. I mean, it's, it's kind of like if you're watching a horse race and you got one horse well ahead and another horse inches close, but is still by, oh, he's pulling, he's getting up, he's getting up, he's getting up, he's getting up, he's going to get me close, but the horse you expected to win still wins. May not win by like three lengths of horses, but still wins. A win is a win. This is the environment into which we head as people start talking about the general election. And keep in mind, many of the national congressional generic ballot numbers are still of registered voters, not of likely voters. It's notable that in the likely voter polling in Wisconsin and the likely voter polling in Pennsylvania and the likely voter polling in Georgia and the likely voter polling in Arizona, it's far closer. And in many cases, the Republicans have pulled ahead. Wisconsin and Georgia, Republicans have pulled ahead in the likely voter. In Nevada, Republicans are ahead now in the likely voters. Republicans are ahead even in the gubernatorial race in Nevada for likely voters. And now the Federal Reserve is going to raise rates, probably three quarters of a percent. They'll say 75 basis points. If you divide a 1% in 100 points, 75 basis points is three quarters of a percentage point increase in the interest rate. That's what the Bank of England has now done. They got to slow down inflation. They don't want to get rid of it. They don't want a deflationary moment. That would be too disruptive to the economy, but they want to slow it down. And the markets are in turmoil because of it. The markets are getting hammered. All right, the Dow is 393 right now. The NASDAQ's now down over 100. The S&P 500 down 50. The New York Stock Exchange Composite down 200. And this is just in the last few minutes since I've been talking. This isn't a, a stable situation for the Democrats headed into November, and it never has been, and yet because the Democrats and the media could rely on polling to tell the story of the election, they did not have to tell the story of how bad the economy actually is. And by not having to tell the story of how bad the economy actually is, they did not actually have to paint an accurate picture for you. Meanwhile, Republicans have gotten out of fixating on Trump, and the media try their very best to continue to, to get them to fixate on Trump. It hasn't worked that way for them, and in not having it work this way for them, they, they're kind of directionless now. Joe Biden had the opportunity to reset on the economy. He had the opportunity. When given the opportunity by Scott Pelley, this is what we get. Mr. President, as you know, last Tuesday, the annual inflation rate came in at 8.3%. The stock market nosedived. People are shocked by their grocery bills. What can you do better and faster? Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Inflation rate month to month was just, uh, 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 just an inch 
Hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it is good news, but it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not, you're, maybe I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2%. It's been. It's the highest inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that. But guess what we are? We're in a position where for the last several months it hasn't spiked. It has just barely, it's been basically even. And in the meantime, we created all these jobs, and prices have, have gone up, but they've come down for energy. The fact is that we've created 10 million new jobs We're in a, since we came to office. We're in a situation where we, the unemployment rate is about 3.7 percent, one of the lowest in history. We're in a situation where manufacturing is coming back to the United States in a big way. And look down the road. We have massive investments being made in computer chips and and employment. So, I, look, this is a process. This is a process. That wasn't really exactly what the Democrats wanted to hear. You know what's remarkable? So my morning piece this morning in the email uh, was on what a poop show, just to put it politely, what a poop show Joe Biden's interview was with um, with Steve Pelley or Scott Pelley. They've had to walk back so much of what was said in the interview. The president said, we're out of the pandemic. The White House is now out saying, no, 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 wait, guys, wait, wait, wait. We, we actually are still in the pandemic. They have had to walk back his statements on Taiwan as well, saying that actually um, it, 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 we were, we're not actually changing policy. He hasn't changed policy. We're not going to change policy. That's not good. Here's John King from CNN uh, just a short time ago on Inside Politics. According to Politico today, uh, two reporters in Politico, when the White House reviewed a transcript of Biden's comments after the interview, which was taped earlier in the week, it did not alert its COVID team, leaving the administration without a coordinated response for the immediate aftermath. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which essentially left uh, people like the Surgeon General, like Anthony Fauci, to have to go out there this, uh, you know, in the past few days to say, well, this is actually what the president meant, meaning that uh, he is saying that, you know, they're being translators, which doesn't look good for President Biden. Uh yeah, they're, they're being translators. Here's Karine Jean-Pierre. The, pro- the president said, and he was very clear in his 60 Minutes interview that... <laughs> The president was very clear. Let me re-address what he said in a different way. That, uh, you know, COVID remains a problem and we're fighting it. And we have to continue uh, to make sure that we are fighting uh, this once uh, in a generation pandemic. Uh, (laughs) I kind of feel bad for these people. I realize they signed up for the job. But my gosh, I, I just they're, they're flailing out there. Um, th- this isn't a good setup for them. They're they're having a really hard time dealing with it. And now suddenly, thanks to Ron DeSantis, the border has become an issue again. They're being forced to address the border. They're being forced to talk about immigration. They're being forced to talk about all these sorts of things that are not in the Democrats' wheelhouse right now. None of these things are an advantage. Uh, Lindsey Graham was on, I think, Fox and Friends. Yeah, 
He was on Fox and Friends this morning. Listen to this exchange. About the voicemail. The voicemail that came out. Come look, I think it. we're in the clear. The Washington, I read the Washington Post story. I think we're in the clear. How could he possibly <laughs> say that and also say that he knew nothing about his president? You can't his have it both deal. ways. You can't say to the world, to the public, uh, there's nothing there, there. I did nothing with Hunter Biden. He's completely okay. Well, Mr. President Biden, uh, let somebody outside of Delaware make that decision. Sure. Absolutely. That's what you supported for Trump. But you wanted somebody uh, outside of politics to look at Trump. Sessions, sessions he recused himself, yeah. and you got Mueller, Number which was one, a two-year disaster. If I were President Biden, I wouldn't go on TV ever again. Yeah. Oh, right. boy. That was <laughs> a complete disaster. Pandemic's over. <laughs> China, we're going to fight you. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you watch CNN or you watch MSNBC right now, they're pretending that 60 Minutes interview did not happen. It's This is just bad. It's just not not good. Um, it's I mean, you, you've got the stock market is right now down 400 points. And here was Joe Biden with Scott Pelley. As word comes that we're in an economic slowdown, the timing on this, y'all, the timing on this. Sir, with the Federal Reserve rapidly raising interest rates, what can you do to prevent a recession? Continue to grow the economy. And we're growing the economy. It's growing in, in a way that it hasn't in years and years. How so? We're growing entire new industries. 695, I think it is, or 85,000 new manufacturing jobs just since I've become president of the United States. Continue to grow the economy and to continue to give hardworking people a break in terms of we pay the highest drug prices in the world of any industrialized nation, making sure that Medicare can negotiate down those prices. Okay, regardless of what you think about the, the Medicare, Medicaid situation and drug prices, saying he's growing the economy, that we got to keep growing the economy. We're not growing the economy, Mr. President. We're in a recession. We're in a technical recession. We're about to be in a big, big fundamentals recession. The stock market knows it. Companies know it. FedEx is screaming about it now. UPS is starting to scream about it. Walmart is screaming about it. Those are like the, the big frontline indicators that we're headed into a recession. When Walmart, Federal Express, and UPS are all saying, we're seeing an economic slowdown, buyers are beginning to change their patterns, that's where we're headed. And he's still talking about we're growing the economy and, and inflation's no big deal. If the Republicans don't turn these things into a major ad campaign for November, they've committed political malpractice. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Paul, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How are you? Great. What's going on? Yeah, Eric, I just want to share something. I thought about you when I heard this on Sunday morning on um, Meet the Depressed, right, as Rush used to always say. Uh-huh. I, I was watching it, and they had Dick Durbin on. And, you know, he, he talks the talk and walk the walk, the, the Democrat talking points. And he's very, I wouldn't say laconic in how he delivers it, but pretty, you know, uh, monotone. Right. And he said something that floored me. He's talking about immigration and everything, that why we should encourage immigration and, uh, you know, increase the, uh, the asylum seekers and everything, which is the typical talking points. But he said one of the one of the benefits is because because we have a decreasing uh, birth rate in this country, we should bring in you know the immigrants. He's all for uh, abortion, right? Right. Henceforth, 
let's bring in the let's bring immigrants. Yes. I, I just fell off my chair and I heard that. Oh, so. you know, I, I got to say, and, and Paul, thanks very much for the phone call here. This continues to to be one of the things that I have just in the last number of years realized, and and actually have have just signed or I'm about to sign a book deal to write a book on this. How the Christian worldview, whether you're a, a believer or not, the the Judeo Christian worldview is comprehensive, addresses almost all areas of life, and is consistent. The secular religion, and it is a religion, shows uh, a a nascent awareness that it is inconsistent and is trying to find consistency. And it's having a very hard time. And and one of those issues is the um, issue of life. We must bring immigrants into this country because we have a declining birth rate, and yet we must prop up the abortion industry to continue to oversee the decline of our birth rate and bring in immigrants who, by the way, tend to be more pro-life than uh, native-born Americans. It's a deep inconsistency in the logic of the left uh, that, that where, where there's some consistency in the orthodoxy of Christianity on these sorts of life issues, but not on the Democratic Party side. And they really do want to bring an immigrant. By the way, I believe we should have robust legal immigration. I think we should. But the problem is we don't have legal immigration at this point. We have massive illegal immigration. And I was telling a buddy of mine this morning, I thought it was very interesting that Ron DeSantis did not call these people illegal immigrants. He called them migrants and particularly economic migrants. A soft word choice for a future presidential contender, not willing to be dragged into a debate where the Democrats want him to go is very interesting. Hi there. How are you? It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. How are we? Half the show is over. My gosh, we, we feels like I'm just finishing another first. This show goes so fast sometimes. There's so much news. We've had some great calls as well. You can be one of those callers, 877-973-7425. I must, I must talk to you about energy. Now, can I just say, um, I I don't really know why I've become obsessed with this issue. Other than it's starting to dawn on me in a variety of articles I read. I, I try to read a lot so y'all don't have to, and I can summarize all the stuff that's out there for you. But but there are these ideas out there that keep percolating, and it's like nobody really can put their finger on the issue. And I'm kind of – I'm seeing all these stories. They go in different directions, and I'm like there are alarm bells going off that you people should be paying attention to. For example, as – Democratic policymakers in the United States push all of us towards more electric vehicles. There's not enough lithium. We can't make enough batteries. When you look at the conversion of all of the cars in America to to batteries and then take out the computers, the phones, the other products out there that are battery operated, add into that the farm equipment, the supplemental power to airplanes and, and other industrial vehicles, 
and you add into that the battery backups that major corporations want to build to store excess power from wind and solar until it's needed at night on the power grid, we don't have enough lithium. We don't. On top of that, around the world, fossil fuels still produce over 80% of energy. They're not developing readily nuclear power. We don't have hydrogen power capabilities, although I think that's probably going to be the next leap forward is hydrogen power. We haven't figured it out. we got to do something. Well, there are. there's now a story, and uh, my buddy Ryan, uh, who at some point we got to get together in person, but we just we send messages back and forth on Twitter. He's a climatologist. He, he's a an actual doctor. He put in the work, not medical though, but not like an EDD. He he's he's he knows the science. He and I spent a lot of time talking about this. He's actually one of those people I'm fascinated by. Who the more he studied it as a climate change skeptic, he came to realize that yes, it's real, but it's not as bad as so many people on the left say. Uh, we can adapt. We can manage. We do have to think about things though moving forward. And one of the big issues is energy. We can't convert the Western world to batteries. The left insists we can, but there's not enough materials. And then there's Africa. And I've mentioned this before. Have you, if, you, if you get out your map, your standard map of the world, Africa appears to be smaller than the North American continent. It's actually so big you could fit North America, South America, and I think Europe all together in Africa. Africa is massive, and it's also the poorest continent, and it also has a lot of natural gas. Now, natural gas is mostly methane, and if you release it into the atmosphere, it has, it's a, has a greenhouse effect. But here's the thing. If you burn it, it has less of a carbon-emitting power than coal. So you can reduce your CO2 footprint that the left is obsessed about and Greta Thunberg scowls about if you use natural gas. And guess what? Africa has a lot of gas. Now, I'm, I'm jokes aside about Africa having a lot of gas, the reality here is Nigeria is the largest oil producer. And some of the villages in, in Nigeria don't have electricity. South Africa has a ton of coal, but it also has natural gas. Lots of Africa has a lot of natural gas. And if you export the natural gas... It raises the GDP of Africa. And you know what's happening here is that Western powers are kind of a little scared to allow Africa to develop. There is a level of neocolonialism among Western elites. They want to keep Africa poor. Now, why? Why do they want to keep Africa poor? Because there's a singular fear. Do you know what the fear is? Why do Western progressives want to keep Africa? Now, they won't admit it, but let's be honest here. They won't let Africans spread DDT to kill mosquitoes and stop malaria. Bill Gates wants them sleeping under nets. Why? Because 
They're afraid, ultimately, at the end of the day, not of environmental damage. Low-dose DDT, we now show, actually kills mosquitoes and won't kill all the wildlife. But they want Africans to die. Now, it's cruel to say that, and they would deny it, but that's what they want because they're afraid of a population crisis in Africa. They're afraid of the Africans consuming African resources. But wait, there's more. If the African GDP increases, let's go back to this. The New York Times is actually covering this, and respectfully, no less, they're actually covering this. It's the New York Times that points out that Nigeria is a major oil producer and they don't have power. According to the International Energy Agency, 600 million people in Africa lack access to electricity. 970 million live without low-pollution cooking fuels, which consigns mostly women and girls to burning charcoal and wood in their kitchens. More shockingly, a smaller share of the population has access to electricity today than in 2019 before COVID. The problem could be solved with investments of $25 billion a year, a fraction of what's invested in global energy today. Renewables, especially solar and geothermal energy, could meet 80% of the electricity generation capacity needed. But also Africa could get its gas out to generate electricity and produce things for cement, steel, and fertilizer. And yet you've got places like Nigeria the continent's largest oil producer, where even villages are in total darkness. Why? Because the left is scared to death. Scared to death that the Africans will get air conditioners. I know, it sounds so silly. Okay, so years ago when I was in 10th grade, uh, moved home, went to this private school, had a teacher at this private Christian school who was all in, in this was the, the 90s, all in on global warming already. And I said at the time, here's the problem, at the time when they were already discussing electric vehicles, that if you converted every vehicle to electric, there wasn't enough power on the power grid to charge them all. And she gave me an F. She gave me an F, said it was not true. I was making that up. I will never forget that. I would love to find that woman now, but I bet she lives in California and can't be communicated with because her power's out. They're afraid that if the Africans get air conditioning, the refrigerants are pollutants, and they don't want that to happen. And because they don't want that to happen, they got to keep them poor and in the dark. And yet here come the Africans exerting themselves, saying, hey, we got all this natural gas. Ukraine needs natural gas. Europe needs natural gas. You could boost our GDP, help our life expectancy, pull people out of poverty. You could improve our lives, colonialists. And those former colonialists, progressives, are like, well, we can't do that because you might get air conditioning. This is going to come back and blow up in their faces. At some point, some entrepreneur is going to get into Africa and get rich, giving these people air conditioner and helping them get their gas out. And that gas is going to go onto the open market and the African nations will improve over time. They will if the white colonialists will just let it happen. And right now they won't. And you know who's one of the big obstacles right now who's really scared of Africans doing this? Of course, John F. and Kerry. That's right. John F. and Kerry 
is out. Oh, oui. Je suis l'ambassadeur. <laughs> he won't let him. He's upset. He's trying to rally European powers to keep Africa in the dark. My gosh, these people are paternalist, neo-colonialist racists on the left. They don't want the African lives to improve. Let's go to the phones. Michael, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Michael. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's going on? Uh, yeah, I just had some questions about your uh, your takes on batteries here. So you think that uh, we won't have enough lithium to power our cars in the future? Well, when you combine cars and everything else, so we've got, uh, for example, in fact, let me pull it up here. We've got 14 million tons which is 165 times the production volume of 2016. The problem is in certain areas of the world, we can't get to it because like for in Nevada, we know that it's there, but it's in a protected wildlife area. So even though it's there, it's not drillable. In Africa and in South America, we can more readily mine it, uh, but eventually you get into the environmental concerns. And that's part of the problem. It's not that we don't have enough on the planet. It's that we don't have enough readily depositable, mineable lithium in areas where we can get access to, to if we were to convert the entire world, we would have run into environmental problems on the other extreme. Okay, so what about new battery technologies like nanoboat lithium or zinc? That's the no, thing I, that excites me. So I, I don't know if you've seen, there was an article in Wired, I think last uh, last month, on carbon fiber battery technology, which is deeply fascinating, where you don't even have to use lithium uh, ions necessarily, and yet if you can figure out how to align the carbon graphite technology, carbon graphite uh, atoms essentially, you get better battery technology, which is probably what we need to be pursuing in the country and around the world at this point to be able to get better battery technology. There are definitely evolutions to come, but we're so focused on lithium batteries right now uh, we got other battery technology we need to exp- explore, but we also have other uh, power sources we've got to be able to explore beyond that. Uh, we, we've got to figure out other ways to produce power other than expending enormous amounts of energy to boil water to generate steam. And we're kind of focusing on solar power, which is far less efficient than even boiling water through a nuclear reactor to make steam to spin a turbine. We got to come up with new ways. But yeah, battery technology, we will develop new battery technologies, but the Western focus on lithium, we got tons of it on the planet, but we're not going to be able to mine it all given where it's all located. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, good, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, hey, uh, when people get talking about natural gas, I'm like, man, this is the this is the best thing we've got. Uh, we've got tons of it. Um, you can run cars and trucks on it today. And they run much, much cleaner, like 85% less pollution, which, um, you know, if, if you stop and think about it, like, why, why wouldn't you want 85% less pollution from cars? Right. And then you can also, you can also um, convert it to methanol and run it as a liquid just in, without doing anything to a car. And most late model cars will run on M85, mm-hmm. you know, fuel. So 
I'm just so glad you're talking about it. Well, you know, so Mark, here's the thing. Um, I, 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 every once in a while see vehicles that are natural gas powered vehicles. We just, I, I'm wondering why we've never developed the infrastructure and the like at gas stations and the like to, to be able to use it. It seems to make sense to me. There is so much of it. I mean, we capture the belching farts of the cows and, and there's you some more methane to, to, to use that the left is so worried about instead of, instead of giving up the cows for the impossible burger. Uh, why don't you just figure out how to capture their methane and, and away we go and power our cars. It seems to make sense to me, but I don't know. It doesn't seem to be common sense for anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you go out to Oklahoma, uh, natural gas stations are common. And uh, I bought a truck out there a few years ago. And I think when I bought it, the fuel at the pump was 85 cents a gallon. Wow. It's, it's more expensive. It's more expensive. There's no cost of refining, mm-hmm. but there's a cost of compression. Yeah. So it it is a little more, it's, it's different. It's more sophisticated. It's a capital investment, but you're right. I mean, uh, it would be cheap energy for everybody and cleaner energy. But, you know, and see, this gets, this, Mark, thanks very much for the phone call. This gets to something that Ron DeSantis raised in our interview yesterday when I was asking him about his environmental policies, that so much of the left's policy viewpoint for climate change, they hide behind climate change. But really it's policies they want to impose on all of us to deteriorate the Western lifestyle that they would want whether or not they had climate change. The excuse they hide behind climate change to advocate these things. But it's not that they want to elevate Africans out of poverty. So they want to pull the West back down into poverty to level the playing field. It's it's deeply problematic. And they hide behind climate change to do what they wanted to do. It's just their latest excuse. It's like when they had global cooling in the 70s, their policy prescriptions are the same damn policy prescriptions they have now for climate change as global warming instead of global cooling. It's fascinating, fascinating spin on things. Now, speaking of spinning, there's this little fan in an Eden Pure Thunderstorm that pulls air in, runs it over uh, the static metal plates, and it eliminates the odor ions floating in your house. It captures the dust of the pollen as well, and you just wipe out the place. You don't have to get a filter. Uh, it's filterless. No subscriptions there. You just buy the product, and it works particularly well at eliminating odors. If you go to EdenPureDeals.com, when you go to EdenPureDeals.com on the front page, you'll see a discount code box. You put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. And you will get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You're saving $200, and you get free shipping. So you get one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement if you got a musty basement. Or keep one in your bag like I do for when you're traveling, if your hotel room stinks, your rental car stinks. Get rid of pet odors, tobacco odors, musty hotel odors, fry odors, cooking odors in the kitchen. You're not covering up the odors. You're eliminating the odors with an Eden Pure Thunderstorm. What you do, EdenPureDeals.com. And the discount code that you use on the front page of the site is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. Get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. Save $200. Get free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Hola. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Y'all, fact-checking is an unserious business for unserious people who are very upset you don't respect their authority. Respect my authority. Someone put up a picture on Twitter. It's a picture of Charles III signing a proclamation. And this is what the tweet says that goes with the picture. 
King Charles III signs a proclamation stating that Donald Trump won the 2020 presidential election and is the rightful president by law, warns Biden and Kamala to vacate the premises within 48 hours, or a state of war will exist between America and England. (laughs) Someone put that on Twitter. Everybody laughed. Oh, no, 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 no. The fact checkers decided it needed to be fact checked. This is from the AFP fact checker site. Did King Charles III proclaim Donald Trump the winner of the 2020 U.S. presidential election? No, that is false. This image shows the monarch signing an oath to uphold the security of the Church of Scotland. (laughs) This is like when they... When they flag the Babylon Bee and, and the fact-checking of the Babylon Bee and say, well, it's not re- it's not a true story. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> there's a headline of the Babylon Bee right now. Biden deploys 20,000 National Guard troops to defend home from incoming migrants. Fact-checkers, I'm sure we'll seize on that one. And also... Don Lemon says his new job as CNN janitor is not a demotion. <laughs> uh, fact checkers. We need fact checkers. We can't tell these aren't true stories ourselves. My gosh, these fact checking people are absolutely insufferable. 